Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining in today. This week, we are headed in the exact opposite direction of what we covered last Monday. Last week, the focus was on our past. If you could send a letter to a younger version of yourself, would you do it? And if so, what would it say? This week, we will turn our attention to the future, sending a message forward, except this time, it is not addressed to you. It is addressed to the people that you love. I'll tell you now, today might be a little tough for me to help drive home the legacy we leave for the people that we love, I will be sharing with you three phone calls that I received in my life and will never forget. Three times when someone died and placed a message in my heart and in the hearts of others that is still there today. Ultimately, the goal is for you to consider the letter you will be leaving with the people you love when you're gone from this life because they won't just read it once. It will likely reside in their hearts as long as they live. So we've got some things to dig into on that front. But first of all, I need to take you back to last week. I mentioned to you at the end of that episode that I would be having a Bible study at my home with a group of new Christians, men who are in the rehab mission at Triumph Village in Tyler, Texas. All of these men have stories in their past that would shake you to your core. And I wanted to ask them If you could send a letter back to correct your mistakes, but it would put into jeopardy the freedom you enjoy in Jesus today, would you do it? So here's how that worked out. On Saturday, five men came over. Four men who are new converts from the mission, Colin, Matthew, Thomas, and Kidd, and they rode over with my great friend and brother, Rob Driscoll. We studied for an hour and a half or so on Ephesians chapter 1, the first eight verses. We talked about this predestined freedom available in Christ, of which we are all a part. And when it came time to pose that question, it did get quite emotional. I was really in awe of all the guys, and three things came out of their response. One, all of them said, no. They talked about how their past has been difficult, but it is that road that has led them to Jesus, and so they cannot malign it, which honestly was some of the most incredible things I've ever heard someone say. Two, a couple of them reflected on good things that have come out of a very difficult life. One of them said, hey, I've got two daughters, and I wouldn't trade that in for anything. And we talked about that last week, reflecting on the fact that if you went back and changed the bad things, you may lose some of the good. And then the third thing is the reality of the situation. You can't do that. You don't have the ability to go back and change your past, so you shouldn't get lost in that. One of the men talked about how today is where we are. This is where the path has brought us. And whatever changes need to be made in my life, I need to make them now. Anyway, it was amazing. 
I hope I taught them some things because I'm being serious when I tell you that I learned a lot sitting at that table. In the end, we all agreed that if we sent a message back to a younger version of ourselves, we would say, find Jesus, fall into the arms of the Son of God, and let him be the light of your life, which brought us all back to being very grateful that that is exactly the case today. Okay, let's turn our gaze to the future. Neither you nor I know how much longer we have to live, but the moment we take our last breath, our story is written. The message, the legacy, the hope that we put into the hearts of our families will be done at that point. But the letter that our lives write will be tucked away in the heart of the people we love and reside there as long as they still live on this earth. The greatest gift you can give the people that you love is biblical hope. It's not money. It's not memorabilia or land or sound advice for living. It is the hope that we will see one another again and enjoy an eternity together in heaven. Notice I said biblical hope. The hope of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Jesus will come back and bring the saints, those who are faithful to him, and unite us together, and we will be together forever in the Lord. But there are far too many people who do not live their lives in faithfulness. And so when they die, their lives become a letter tucked into the pocket of their family. And in order to find real spiritual hope, Christians sometimes have to loosen their concept of God in order to fit you into it. My advice today is please do not make them do that. Please do not make the people that you love 10 years, 20 years after you're gone have to change what they read in Scripture to find room for you. Because if the greatest gift you can possibly supply to them is eternal hope, what then is the worst possible curse you could plant into your family to grow after you're gone? Except a deep-seated and undeniable doubt based on choices made and a life lived that you are safe in spirit in the arms of Jesus. I made a vow to myself and my wife and kids a long time ago that while I certainly make my share of mistakes and I need their mercy and I certainly need God's mercy, I will pursue a biblical New Testament path so that when I am gone and they remember me, they will not have to cling to some funny joke that I told to make them smile. They can envision the return of the Son of God and see me standing right next to him. Look, I don't know how much time I have left to write this letter or how many pages it will be, but I know how I want it to read for them, and I hope you do also. And maybe you're like me today, because I can look into my past into three moments that I remember very clearly, three phone calls I received where someone that I knew, someone dear to me and to others, had passed from this life. And in those emotional first moments, truths about them seeded in my heart and remain there even today. I want to take just a couple of minutes and share those stories with you, not in any way to pass judgment on those people. It is not within my power or ability to decide if they are saved or lost, but instead to just appreciate 
the kind of impact your and my life will have and make a choice now on what we want that to mean to others when they get very similar calls. It was May the 19th, 1992. I was 13 years old. My grandma was in the hospital battling lung cancer. That's my dad's mom. She had been very sick. We expected her to live longer, but fluid developed in her lungs. And my dad called me on the phone, and he just said four words, Chris, grandma is gone. It was the first time in my life that I had lost someone close to me, and it hit hard, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And so for the very first time, I learned about this coping mechanism where good memories of your past with that person come flooding in to help cope with the moment. With my grandma, it was our shared love for Nintendo. She was the master of Legend of Zelda. The very first game in that series, she had it totally mastered. She subscribed to the magazine Nintendo Power, which came with a fold-out map of the Legend of Zelda world. She marked for me with a pen all of the secret areas where you could bomb the walls and find hidden caves. And that was the first thing that I thought about. But as the hours passed, I started to think about something else. You see, I was 13 years old and I was a Christian. I'd been raised in the church, raised to worship God, raised to obey the gospel and be buried in water to have my sins washed away. And our family prioritized faithfulness. That, however, was not the path that my grandparents had taken. My grandma had a Catholic background, but to my knowledge had never been to an assembly. She didn't like to talk a lot about God or the Bible, had never been baptized for the remission of her sins, and was not a spiritual influence in my life. Now, again, I am not judging where she is. I have grown a great deal in my life in understanding and embracing the grace of God, and all of that is up to him. But I can tell you with confidence that what was left inside of a 13-year-old's heart was not biblical hope. And to be honest, over the years, I've struggled with anger about that. Why didn't she leave us with more? And while, again, I hope I see her in heaven and God explains how it all worked out, Last week, we passed the 30-year mark from the day I received that call, and I still wish she would have left us with more. If you are a grandmother or grandfather, a mom or a dad, I don't know how much time you've got left to imprint the image of Christ from your life into the hearts of the people that you love. But I can testify that when you take your last breath, the letter gets sealed, whatever is inside of it. And it will get read over and over and over again, whether it brings us comfort and hope or not. Let me share with you the second phone call that deeply impacted me. It was just a few years later, November the 15th, 1996. I was 17 years old, and this one carried a shock factor that I'd never had before. My best friend in the whole world growing up was Michael Gove. He's still a really good friend. And his mother, Judy, had been battling cancer. It was certainly a long and difficult journey for her, but she was making great progress and expected to live. So I certainly was not prepared to get a phone call from Michael's older sister telling me that Judy had passed away in an automobile accident. I just remember going numb and not knowing what to say. 
But again, I immediately began to cope with all of the great memories of sleepovers at their house, popcorn balls, and all sorts of sugar that my mother would not bring into our home, as well as the video games she would buy for Michael at his request. So yeah, I've always kind of had an affinity for those. But more importantly, I can tell you that Miss Judy was a Christian. She had obeyed the gospel and joined the church and lived a life of faithfulness, but not so much at the end. After she and Michael's father divorced, she chose to remarry against the advice of the eldership where she worshipped, and it led her away from church and away from faith in many ways. Even in the days of her illness, it didn't seem to draw her back to the foot of the cross. I want to tell you again, it is not my determination whether she is saved or lost, and I pray the mercy of God upon her. But Michael and I were Christians, and we knew what the Bible said about faithfulness and commitment and serving God until the end of our lives. And so what she left us with, and more specifically her son, is a measure of hope, but an incomplete amount, almost as if what was there at one time had been poured out upon the ground and was no longer available. I would say the letter she wrote that is still being read years after her death is simply doubt. Maybe she is with Jesus, maybe she isn't, but there are doubts. And again, this is not about her. I was really apprehensive to record this episode thinking Michael might listen and it bring back hard memories for him, or my dad, for that matter, as he remembers his mom. But it's really about you, isn't it? It's about me. Our passing will most likely happen. We will leave this earth And for those of us who know the truth and who have obeyed the truth, what a beautiful thing you've done for the people that you love. Please finish this journey. Keep filling your cup with the Spirit until He overflows into the lives of your family. Do not pour Him out upon the ground because that won't just hurt you. It will rob the people that you love of the blessed hope that comes if you finish the journey in Christ that you started. I make a lot of mistakes, but I plan to be speeding up through the finish line so my family can at least say and remember, he gave it his all straight through to the end, and they can imagine me running straight into the arms of Jesus. Man, I get emotional just thinking about leaving that legacy, that thought, with my wife and kids and friends. All right, I've got to give you one more. It was years later, July 14th, 2008. I was 29 years old. I received this phone call from a sister in Christ and friend, Regina, to tell me that her mother, Elizabeth, was just moments away from passing. Elizabeth was about to succumb to her lengthy battle with cancer. That phone call had a lasting impression on me because I loved all of them, but even more so because my dad and I were on a trip together and I spent about an hour telling him about her. You see, Miss Elizabeth was not a Christian for many years. Her daughter would beg her to come to church to listen to the gospel, and she wouldn't. But late in her life, she finally did. She came to our services, and she learned the truth, and she obeyed the gospel. She used the few moments that she had left to let Jesus rewrite her story. 
After her baptism, she worshipped as long as she could until she was put in hospice care. But there she would ask her husband, who was not a Christian, if he would read scripture to her. And her change had such an impact on him that we also baptized James into Christ. She died not long after that, and he told me, I will never give up on God or worship because I want to be with her forever. You know, James passed away earlier this year. And what kind of hope do you think I carry in my heart for those two people? I can't even imagine the kind of peace that Miss Regina holds within her based on the beautiful choices made very late in life, but that present her with a gift that will last forever. And really, Miss Elizabeth's story gets even better than that. She would have her cousin Donna read scripture to her, and she convinced her to go to worship. And a month after Elizabeth passed, we baptized Donna Schultz, who is still a great friend and sister, into the body of Christ. I suppose I have to give the same disclaimer. I'm not telling you who's in heaven or who's in hell. That's not my business on one end of the spectrum or the other. But we carry an incredible amount of biblical hope that two people, Elizabeth and James, who wasted many years outside of Christ, not only gave their lives to him, but they gave something to their daughter and their granddaughters and many other people that is so desperately needed in this world. Hope of an eternity together. Look, I don't have much time left today, but you don't need me to spell this out for you. While today's episode points to the future and last week's to the past, I'm still reminded of what Kid said in our study last Saturday. I can't change what happened or the road that brought me here, but I can do the right thing today, and that's what God wants. And so it is looking forward. We can't control the future. We don't know how much of it we have, and we're not sure what our lives will mean to every other person. But we've got today to keep writing the letter of our legacy that will be placed into the hearts of the people that we love, that will directly and ongoingly affect the way they feel when they get the proverbial phone call about us. May it be hope, biblical hope, of a reunion with Jesus forever. Look, there's no doubt that you owe it to God to be faithful. And really, you owe it to your soul to be faithful. But today, I want you to believe that you owe it to the people that you love. Each one of the stories I told you today were different. One had not obeyed the will of God, it seems. Another had drifted away from him. And the third was a story of redemption in and reflection of Jesus. One day, others will be notified of your passing. The question is, which one will that be like of the three phone calls? Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.